thanks for taking time to hang out with me today. It, you know, it, I think of Arch Madness as being kind of a little family reunion and, and getting together with family today. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, and look at all the great broadcasters that are in the Valley and guys that have been doing the play-by-play for their university in the Missouri Valley Conference for 20, 30, 40 plus years. It is, I mean, it's, it's fun to, to see you, Harry, and just, you know, to see Mike Kern and Jack Watkins. We get, we see a little bit of them through the regular season, but when you get down here and you're here for four or five days, it, it is, it's like, it's like a, a family reunion get together. Yes. I, I love it. I, I look so forward to this time of the year. It, you know, we, we never want to rush it here, but when it gets here, you're you're pumped up that it's time for the tournament. I totally agree. Uh, I want to talk about your hanging up the headset, so to speak. I want to talk about that, but um, but I want to talk about the Panthers first. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a sluggish start. Lost some games early. Record wasn't great, but they were in some good with good competition. Lost some tight games, battled some injuries and sickness and all the rest, but they might be the hottest team, not only in the Valley, but in the country. We're playing really good right now, and you touched on some really key things. Um, First of all, Coach Jacobson schedules a non-conference schedule to where if we have a great non-conference season, we don't have to win the, the conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. We have a good enough resume that if we have a good year in the conference, do decent at the conference tournament, plus you get some some quad one and quad two wins that are usually going to have to come on the road or a neutral site, mm-hmm. you have a shot to get an at-large. Uh, with that being said, with the tough schedule they, they put together this year, they didn't know all the struggles we'd have in November and December. Bowen Bourne, the freshman of the year, breaks his hand in September. His left hand, his shooting hand, and he it really didn't get 100% healthy, I don't think, until right around Christmas time. Um, he started playing better out in Hawaii, and he had mentioned even that in early January he, he felt 100% again. Um, we had the flu go through the team when we were out in Marshall and still won that road game, but it, it affected Trey Burhau so badly that he was so sick he couldn't make the trip a couple days later out to Hawaii mm-hmm. in two two-point losses to Liberty in Wyoming, and with him, I, I think we win both those games. A.J. Green was under the weather, uh, wasn't COVID, but he was still suffering from effects of the flu in Hawaii, but battled through it. Uh, Antoine Kimmins didn't even play the first game. Um, and then we're really struggling still with with uh, a guy that two years ago was first team all-conference center in Austin Fife. He's battling what they call long-haul COVID. He, he got over COVID uh, in the latter part of the summer, but it's still bothering him with his breathing and, and he's playing very limited minutes, you know? And so w- when you factor all that in and people are like, well, wow, you were four and seven at the Christmas break. And I'm like, well, if you knew everything this team had gone through, you would know why. Um, and there's a couple of other factors that were mixed in there too. We had a, a, a guy or two that missed because of a, a positive COVID test. And then you get into the conference season and A.J. Green tests positive for COVID and can't go out to Valparaiso for that road game. We get beat in overtime. I mean, come on, if he plays in that game, we're going to win that one, right? Yeah. But um, And he, was, he did play the next game against Drake at home, but he hadn't practiced all week. He got cleared to play on Friday, played Saturday. We lose in overtime. So it just, I mean, what this team has done and battled through and the adversity they faced, I agree. I, I think we're as good as anybody uh, in the league right now, I think we're as hot as any team in the country. With that being said, as good as the league is, 
you just you can't not, can't take anything for granted. There's those top six teams are all really good, and we barely won at Illinois State, the the uh, eight seed. We barely won at Indiana State, 88-82 towards the end of the season. Every game's going to be tough, so I I think we're good enough to win it. But you know we. It, we could get bounced out if we don't play well because I think the league is really good. A.J. Green is the uh, player of the year, and, and there's like probably three guys that could have been the player of the year, and, and, and so no big surprise that he got that. You talked about Austin and, and his struggles. When he plays, he is so stinking efficient right now. I mean, for those seven or eight minutes, he's as good as you got. Yeah, he's kind of our Cameron Crutwig, if you know what Crutwig did for, sure. for Loyola. That's what Austin Fife does for us. It, you know, and if and but, but if he was 100% healthy, uh, I, I think, you know, we're, we're sitting, instead of maybe 18 and 10, we're 22, 23, 24 wins, and, and people are talking about us as a possible at-large. He, he just would mean that much to us. Noah Carter, I thought, I thought he had a, a first-team all-conference year. He got second team, which is a great honor when you look at the five guys that are first mm-hmm. team. That, that's a great first team. But Noah Carter's playing out of position. He's a four. He's played the five. But he's played tremendous basketball. Um, and if we would have continued to get good play like that out of him in the four with a health, healthy Austin Fife. Yeah, I mean, we, we did win the regular season title, but I, I'm, I just I think it might have been by a bigger gap than a game, too. But, you know, that's, you know, you just, every team's battled injuries and COVID sure. and stuff. But um, Austin Fife is, you know, he's basically just gutting it out. I mean, he's not 100% healthy. There's times he's been on the floor for two or three minutes, and he's absolutely gassed. He's done, he, yeah. he, He's got to come out of the game, but he just keeps going until they finally get a stoppage and play and kid and get out. So he's given the team everything he's got. Uh, you're getting ready to retire. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But in 29 years there uh, with Northern Iowa, a lot of players have come and gone. A couple of coaches have come and gone. Uh, but is there any anybody better in this business than Ben Jacobson? No, no. I mean, without hesitation, I, no hesitation. He's he's just the best. And I say that because he is so good in all facets of it. You know, um, Eldon Miller was the first head coach that I worked with uh, back 29 years ago, and Eldon's a great man, good coach. Um, you know, Sam Weaver had his struggles. Greg McDermott really got the program turned around. Yeah. I mean, I can remember doing the games back in the, the mid-90s, uh, and my color commentator and I would talk about how great it would be just to get to the NIT, just just to get a postseason berth. We weren't even talking NCAA. Sure, sure. In comes Greg McDermott, and in his third year, he gets us to the NCAA tournament, and then he does it three years in a row. And, and he really helped groom Ben Jacobson to step mm-hmm. in and take over. And I credit Rick Hartzell with that, our athletic director at the time, because he, he told Greg, he said, Greg, somebody's going to come and hire you away, and they're going to offer you so much, I can't, I'm not going to be able to, to keep you. I want you to get the next guy ready, because I like what you're doing. And Greg did a great job of, of getting Ben Jacobson ready, and Ben was ready, but he, he's He's a player's coach. I think the best compliment you can give a coach, Harry, is if my son was good enough to play Division I basketball, I want him to play for that guy. And that's Ben Jacobson. He treats them right. Um, you know he, he's going to be uh, respectful to them. They're going to respect him. He's a tremendous X and O coach. Um, and and he's, just, he's just so fun to be around. I just... 
um, I, I, I just can't say it enough that I, I'm with you. I, I think he's, he's the best there is. And we're fortunate that he's staying, that mm-hmm. he just keeps staying. I think he's going to stay and leave a long legacy at UNI Panther basketball. I think he's going to become the all-time winningest coach in the Missouri Valley Conference. We talked about that one day on his call-in show, and I said, hey, you know, you're, you stick around long enough, you're going to be the winningest coach ever in the Missouri Valley Conference. And there's been some big-time coaches. Does that, sure. Is that something you've thought about? And he said, absolutely, because back when you and I came into the Valley, back in the, the early 90s, there was a lot of people in the league who were like, why are you bringing you and I in. You and I has no basketball pedigree. They don't bring anything to the league. So if one of our head coaches becomes the winningest coach of all time in the Valley, he sees the significance of that. And so I just, yeah, I love the guy. Going to miss all the the fun times we had together as I step away, but he's, he's tremendous. I remember when he first started, when, when, when Greg first left and and he always had those three by five cards, he would, he would be looking at his cards during the game. I'm like, this guy, he's got it meticulously all planned out. I, I don't see him carrying the cards anymore. But well, the, uh, Greg McDermott, you know, he ran a lot of set plays. Mm-hmm. He he really dictated, you know, what what we were going to run in half court man to man offense. And I think Coach Jake picked that up and did that for a while. But then I think there came a time when he threw those cards yeah. away and said, you know what? And I, I really like the way he's opened up the offense now. And I, Seth Tuttle gets some credit for that. A former Panther player that went overseas and. He brought some of that European style, you know, high point center forward, you know, handling the ball a lot, offense, and and you know here we are the the number one offense in the valley this year, which I don't know if we've ever sat atop the being the the, the best scoring offense. Usually, in the usually playing it slow, yeah. packing it in defensively, yeah. exactly. Uh, so you've been doing this a long time, and I know you love it, and I know you love the Panthers, and love you and I, football, basketball. Um, so, but you're stepping away. Talk to me about that. Why, why, why hang it up now? I think there's a number of things that have factored in to my decision now. Um, my wife retired from teaching two years ago, you know, taught school for 33 or 34 years. And um, the last 12 summers, we would go down to the villages in Florida, which is a, a 55 and older retirement community that we fell in love with. I had a son that worked there as a rec director for eight years, and that's how we got introduced to it. And people would say, well, why, Rima, why are you and your wife going to Florida in the summertime when it's 90 degrees and hot? <laughs> and we actually kind of enjoyed that, but she was a school teacher. That's when she had free time with broadcasting. That's when I had free time. We just really fell in love with the place. And about five years ago, we said, we're going to retire here. This, there's so much to do there, Harry. And, and I, I won't go into all the things it has to offer, but just Google The Villages Florida and see what's there, <laughs> like 80 golf courses and three town squares and you know, baseball and softball and pickleball for us old guys. So anyway, um, she retired two years ago, and, and she said, Gary, you broadcast as long as you want. I know you love it. Just do it. And then COVID hits, and you know I'm not a young guy anymore, and I've I've been a, a radio broadcaster since I was 19, and I just I kind of came to the conclusion that I want to enjoy some retirement time while I'm healthy. I, mm. I want to go play some senior league baseball again. I want to play in the softball leagues down there. I I love playing pickleball. I love to golf, and I, I've played very little golf since high school when I was on the high school golf team, but um, I've been able to pick it up more uh, when we go down there. So 
you know, and then COVID hits, and then we have that COVID season where we played seven football games in the spring, which was the weirdest football broadcast season of all for me. Yeah, no kidding. And then the basketball season, the way it ended, you know, last year with us having to, the no contest against Drake in the quarterfinals. And I really was thinking about retiring at the end of last year and then talking with my wife and a few other people, um, just decided uh, – what about doing it one more year and I'll just travel in and out of Florida? Because we were, we were bound and determined to get our house sold in, in Iowa last spring, make the move to Florida, buy a property there. And then uh, Panther Sports Properties, Brian Gable, Learfield worked with me. And Learfield only does a one-year contract with their talent now. So I sat down with them and we, we hammered out a new one-year deal for me to do it one last year. And um, so I just, I just think it was a, you know, the timing feels right. I am 66 years old. I'm not, I'm not a young kid anymore. I do feel like I still call a pretty good game. I haven't, you know, and, I, and, and in a way I feel like I'm going out kind of on top. Sure. You know, Tom Bowman from Learfield, when I announced I was going to retire last fall, Harry, he called me and, you know, just congratulated me, said, hey, we don't want you to retire, but, you know, you know congratulations on a great run. And then he said something that's really stuck with me. And I, I, I didn't really think much about it until he said it, but he, he said, you know, Gary, there's something to be said working in this business, you deciding yourself when mm-hmm. you're going to step away and go out. Because sure. that doesn't always happen in this business, whether it's radio or TV, whether it's the flagship station gets moved and they want to use a different guy, the university wants to use a different guy to do the games whatever he said for you to be able to say on your time you're stepping away something to be said for that and I think I I think that's pretty true for me I'm I've been in radio a long time and I saw a lot of really good people get relieved of their duties who I thought were still doing great work and so but uh, you know and it was totally my decision there's no pressure from anybody my wife said are you sure you she's probably 50 times said you sure you want to step away from it but I I'm really comfortable with my decision now and it's helped a ton that we just won the Missouri Valley Conference regular season title at home in my final home regular season broadcast what a way to go out and now we know we're going to go to a postseason tournament so uh, it you know it, it all just kind of feels like it's fallen into place and and uh, so you know and, and a long answer to the question that's it just everything just kind of fell together with with my wife retiring how COVID kind of you know was a slap in the the side of the face that hey you know you, you might not be around forever sure I want to enjoy some retirement time when I'm healthy and I can do all those things so uh, I am looking forward to to that next stage of my life. So winning the regular season, the Panthers' worst-case scenario, they're going to play in the NIT. That's right. And so I was thinking for you and for Dick Ledke, who's retiring yeah. from Illinois State, uh, every game this weekend for him is like, well, this could be it. Yeah. You know, you actually have the NIT still out in front of you. So that's a, a little bit of a relief. You yeah. know, can, can you even imagine that last two minutes of the last game? I mean, I just I can't comprehend what's going to be going through your coconut there. You know what? It's... It, it, I went through some of those feelings already. Just that last trip to Chicago for the game against Loyola, the last trip to Indiana State the other day as you got down to our – got on the bus and, you know, coach is like, hey, final road game of the season, regular season for you, Ryman. And then all the people Saturday, you know, this is your last home regular season game you'll call in the McLeod Center. And So I think 
as I packed up the equipment at the end of those broadcasts or as those broadcasts were winding down or was talking with Coach Jacobson on the post-game show and he'd bring it up, you know, it, 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 it does. It, it, you get a little lump in your throat, you get a little choked up, but because um, I've just had so many great memories. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, a lot of people maybe don't know my story, but um, I didn't go to college. I never got any kind of training to be a sports broadcaster. I started at 19 by, by calling a radio station in small-town Iowa that said, hey, we're looking for a part-time play-by-play guy to do high school football on Friday night and a basketball game on Tuesday and Friday, kind of game of the week. Can you do that? And I said, yes. And they said, send me a spec tape. And I'd never broadcast a game in my life, but I'd played sports. My dad was a teacher and coach. I, I listened and watched a lot of sports. I thought I knew sports. I stood at the top row of a junior high football game with a tape recorder. Come on, baby. That my dad was the coach. And I'm 19, and I've got a one-page flip deal of roster. And I'm doing the play-by-play of this junior high game. Some of my family and friends who knew me actually turned around and looked at me and said, have you lost your mind, Gary? What are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm talking. And then I sent that tape to that radio station and they hired me off it. Amazing. And then I just stuck with it, um, you know, turned it into almost a 50 year career of, of doing radio play by play. So, um, you know, I just, when I think about all that, I think about Growing up in small town Iowa, Strawberry Point, we never traveled. We didn't take summer vacations. We were playing youth baseball, and I was in a big family, four brothers, three sisters. My dad was a teacher and coach and a stay-at-home mom. We just, we didn't financially, we didn't go to Disneyland or, heck, we didn't go to Adventureland in Iowa. We just, you know, we stayed at home in the summer and played. Um, So when I think about you and I taking me to the battle for Atlantis and the Bahamas and four trips to Hawaii with either football or basketball, St. Thomas Virgin Islands tournament, a week in Cancun, Puerto Rico, Las Vegas, New York City. I mean, the, the place. Not bad. I never thought I would see those plays. I just, <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I just, it, it was amazing. You know, and I've been to states like Montana and Idaho and New Hampshire and, and Maine that, you know, I don't know if I'll ever go there again, but I, I, I experienced that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really thankful, really appreciative, grateful. Um, and it's, it's been an amazing career. Um, it's incredible ride. I've been, I've loved every minute of it. I will miss it, but I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really at peace with this being the, the last year and spending time with my kids. I've got 10 grandkids and I want to see them play ball and them do their thing. So it's the timing just feels right. It's exciting. The, uh, uh, I was talking to Jake the other day about how fragile winning and losing is. You know, uh, Wes Washburn hits that shot that bounces on the rim, hits the glass, and then still goes in. They win the tournament. Then they go and they win that game on the long Jesperson shot. Half-court shot. I mean, they, they, they could have easily lost both those games. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, but here they are. It, it, it's so radically different. A couple of summers ago, uh, I had you on during the summer, and we talked about – uh, the down goes Kansas game and some of the memories, you know, of of that. And and so I don't want to relive all those things, but but it's those moments, yeah. right? It's those thrilling moments. I, you know, I'm right because I was it, it, the Arch Madness one when Wasp, Washman hits his. I was right on the baseline, you know. So, so it hits the rim, nicks the glass, comes back and comes down. I mean, all those kinds of things are just as cool as it gets. Yeah. And and no other job maybe. <laughs> Gives you those kinds of 
experiences and, and just things you've been able to enjoy as part of the team, part yeah. of the community. That's what I love about doing radio play-by-play for one university. I'm a big-time homer. Um, I've had listeners uh, say that I can turn the radio on, and in 30 seconds, I know if we're ahead or behind, Ryan, but just by the they tone They should of be voice. able to. That's and, right. That, and you know what? That, I, <laughs> to me, I, that's, I grew up listening to that, whether it was listening to the Bears on the radio, the Cubs on the radio, uh, listening to Iowa Hawkeye stuff on the radio when I was a kid. I, though You could tell those announcers – they lived, eat, and breathed, and and died with with the team they were broadcasting for, and and I just you know, and I always told people, hey, I'm the voice of the Panthers, and it's the UNI Panthers that are going to take me to the FCS football playoffs, mm-hmm. and it's the Panther basketball team that's going to take me to the NCAA tournament. Not you know, and I love all the other teams, but you know what, Loyola, Missouri State, they're not going to get Ryman to the big dance. So yeah, so it, it's so fun to to be part of that and 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 again we talked about coach Jacobson earlier but you just he makes you feel like you're a valuable part of the team just by being their radio guy so um so many great memories and I I take those all with me you know uh, into retirement because there's been there's been so many magical moments and you know I I've been at this long enough that I've broadcast every Missouri Valley Conference regular season and tournament title that this UNI program has won uh, so I, you know, I've been I've been a part of all of those, and it's just been magical. But and it, you know, to go to seven NCAA tournaments, broadcast eleven NCAA tournament games, their only NIT appearance, I called those games. It just and and just magical wins. There's been some there's been some crushing, heartbreaking losses sure, sure. that we've had to accept too. But you know, I, I think back to that that. Wes Washburn shot that beat Evansville and you know Marty Simmons might they might have won that game if he doesn't hit that shot it goes overtime and you know heck maybe Marty is still at Evansville that that's just how crazy you know the ride can be but again I've just I've loved every minute of it Um, I I I I was super competitive when I played sports and I loved you get that high with the win and the low with the loss just like you're a player again and you know, I've told people I wanted to be a pro baseball player. That that was my dream. I I played organized baseball from the time I was six years old all the way up till uh, I was thirty some years old in a semi pro league. Because I thought, how much better could it be to play baseball and get paid to do it? Yeah. And I got the exact same result by doing radio play by play. You know that I would do it for nothing if I could have afforded to do it, but to get paid to do that never never felt like a job. You know I really turned a passion into a profession and uh, to me that's just that's as good as it can get Harry spectacular the uh, last question or two do you lump teams like I think of the Lucas O'Rear that team you know like that couple of years and I you know I've got the Seth Tuttle years yeah. you know what I mean do you do you do it that way too I mean I think I can think back and see sections of times as I think about the Panthers yeah absolutely no that that run in 04, 05, 06 with, you know, Brooks McCowan, Benny Jacobson, David Gruber, some of those guys, that three-year run. And then we had the 09-10 team with, with uh, you know, Kajoa Heligba and Ali Farouk Manesh and Jordan Agelseeder and, and, you know, that great group. And then you get to 16, 17, and it's Tuttle and Bohannon and, and, and that great group of players. So and, and it's interesting how our success has run in those mm-hmm. kind of back-to-back-to-back years like that. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You you remember it. it, it, 
And, you know, there's been a few other unique teams. I remember my very first year of doing UNI basketball, 93-94. We had Randy Blocker and Cam Johnson and kind of a 500 season, but we come to the MVC tournament. And my first time here, we made it all the way to the championship game, uh, beat Illinois State, and then we beat top seed at Tulsa. And I'm telling my broadcast partner, hey, we're one game from the NCAA tournament. You know, we're going we're gonna to go to the dance. I can feel it. This is, this is easy stuff. And then <laughs> Southern Illinois and Rich Heron and his guys, after we led most of the game, beat us 77-74. So I remember that particular team because how close they got us mm. to the dance. But it wasn't till. Uh, a good 10 years later, in 2004, we finally did break through and, and win the, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament under Greg McDermott and get that, that first berth to the NCAA Tournament as a Valley team, second in school history. But So, yeah, I, you lump them together, and then there's kind of some unique things you remember about a few of the other teams, too. When I was uh, – I started coming to the tournament here in 98-99, and Northern Iowa was a Thursday night team. I mean, you know – and so to watch how it's transformed has just been amazing. Wichita State wasn't very good. Yeah. You know, and then they rose up. And We had a year in there where I think under Sam Weaver, they were only taking eight of the ten, and I don't think we came to If I remember right, we missed for a year. And then when they said, we're going to bring all ten teams, I was like, okay, well, at least we're going to go. But, <laughs> that, you know, and, and Harry, that's, you know, when Rick Hartzell hired Mark Farley in 2001 to take over our football program and where he took you and I football – and is still there as the head coach. And Greg McDermott came in that same year. And where our basketball program was playing in the Uni Dome, we had, I, I tell people that our program when Greg came in wasn't in the dumpster, it was under the dumpster. <laughs> I mean, we, we were, I mean, we had, our fan base was small. We're playing in the spacious Uni Dome. We didn't have really any talent, it seemed like, on the team at all. And for Greg to turn that around and in three years get us to the NCAA tournament, and then three years later we get this beautiful McLeod Center built um, and, and have gone to the NCAA tournament now since 2001 seven times. It, it really has been a remarkable turnaround in our basketball program. And, and, and I think Ben Jacobson is just going to keep it moving uh, in the right direction, getting better and better. The league's getting better, as everybody knows, with Murray State and Belmont and uh, UIC coming in. But I don't see the Panthers dropping off. You know, I don't see you know, Missouri State or uh, Bradley. They're not going to drop off. Drake, they're going to all stay competitive. So the league's just getting better and better. And I think UNI is going to have something to say every year about who does and doesn't win that title. Uh, final question. Have you thought about, okay, it's the NIT, it's the NCAA, and it's, that is that last game. Have you thought about the, the sign-off? Or, or maybe you already have a normal sign-off and you're just yeah. going to do the normal one? You know what I did at our last home game against Loyola, and it really worked out beautifully because of that big win, winning the outright title. Last time I'll do a game in, in the McLeod Center, unless we got a home game in the NIT, which I don't think we will. So um, we're going to the NCAA anyway, aren't we? But uh, <laughs> that, uh, I, I had this, I did a closing at the end of my last football game. So people knew that this was my last football broadcast. Had a lot of people to thank. So I did a similar thing, had it typed up and ready to go. And I decided to do it at the end of the last regular season home game for a couple of reasons. That was a magical day, special day in UNI basketball. And I just I thought it was the perfect time to go through and thank a lot of people I felt I needed to thank. 
and mainly because I don't think I could have got through it all when I know it's my very last game. Sure, it just sure. and I, I um, so what I will do is I did tape it and I will replay that um, at the end of my last when the, that last broadcast does come. Um, I will do it because Coach Jacobson's going to come on the post game show and he's going to say some things and I'm not going to be able to handle it very good. <laughs> so I'll finish with I'll replay my my kind of closing thing that I want to say and thank a lot of people. Um, but uh, it's going to happen. I've kind of been mentally preparing for it. It'd be great to have a deep run into March, maybe you know late March, early April, but. If, if it's only one postseason tournament game after the Valley Tournament that it was meant to be, and, and at least and I thought the same thing at football time, too. It was so nice. We were 6-5. and five. We had a really good team, really tough schedule, like the second toughest FCS schedule, schedule in the nation to get to the playoffs. It was just special to go out again with, with a playoff game, even though we got beat in the first round. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I know I'm just going to feel the exact same way that I know uh, if we don't get the NCAA tournament, we're going to be in the NIT. Great for these players to get that experience, that exposure, and, and the coaching staff as hard as they've worked. And then just to get to call another postseason tournament game, it'll be special. It'll be emotional. So I will just replay that, that closing <laughs> statement I, that I've already did uh, a few weeks ago, a few days ago. Smart man. Yeah. The uh... – a lot of unbelievable announcers in this league. Yeah. You know, you think of Reese and Haynes and, and Dick, who's retiring, and Matt's, uh, Dave Snell, and on and on. You know, the different guys are so good. And it's got to feel good to be a part of that fraternity and, and, to, and to be peers with those guys because they're as good as yeah. it gets. You're as good as it gets. To me, it's been fun just to be around the league and being able to listen to some of you guys and know some of you guys, call you guys friends, because not only are you great broadcasters, but – great people and, and such great representatives, you know, of your programs and, and your universities, uh, that's got to be a thing you'll, you'll miss as well. The, that fraternal, the fraternal order of MVC broadcasters. I've loved the way the relationships grow throughout the years. When I first started in 93, 94, I was just, you know, a 38-year-old young guy jumping in there with some guys that had already been doing it for, you know, 15, 16, 18, 20 years. And then you build those relationships and you realize that, you know what, yeah, as much as we want our team to win, you've got a fellow friend broadcaster that you know he they're trying to get the same place and then you build those relationships and you know Learfield put a put together a really cool uh, montage of the guys in the valley you know wishing good luck to to myself and I know Dick Ludke got a similar thing and just some of the things they say and and you hear those voices mm-hmm. is just just such great guys and you know I, I, I the thing too that I think Harry that people should understand is the reason that I've stayed for 29 years, Mike Reese is 40-plus at, at Southern Illinois, and Dave Schnell 40-plus at Bradley, and Dick Ludke 36 years, and Art Haynes you know, forever at Missouri mm-hmm. State. These are really good jobs. Um, it's a really great league. The Missouri Valley Conference, to me, is a first-class Division I league. You go to great arenas, you're treated right, tremendous postseason conference tournament it's all first class and and I think it's a reason you know I think all of those guys somewhere along the line including myself there's been some offers that have come around people have called said hey will you take a look at this and you know what 
it, it just would take a lot to pull these guys away because it mm-hmm. is such a great league. You got great universities that that you're broadcasting for. You travel first class. They take care of you. I mean, it's you know, and and it's cool. There are some young guys now filtering in. Michael Admire at Drake and Jevin Redmond at Evansville. You're starting to see mm-hmm. you know a few new faces. And there's going to be a couple new ones now at U and I and at Illinois State. But um, you know, I, I people that ask me about being the voice of the Panthers, I said it's it's a great great situation you know if it's something you think you're qualified to do go for it get your app in get your resume in get your spec tape in and see if you know you 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 can't get it because it's it's really pretty special and and again I think goes back to the the valley the league the MVC is is first class under Doug Elgin it was tremendous and now Jeff Jackson just keeping that going 